I would love to welcome you as well as the senior pastor of Christ Journey Family in the campuses here in South Florida, across the nation, around the world, through Church Online, wherever you're making your connection with us today, we are inviting God's blessing, God's miracle power to be unleashed in our lives and in our homes and in our families and in our world. And you know, one of the reasons we need it is because life is hard. There's lots of hard things happening in, in the world right now. And so for those who are joining us online around the world, friends in San Diego, people in Sri Lanka, all the cities and nations and families in between where we are facing hardship. I would love for us to get on the same page, all in one place, Kendall Campus, Gables Campus, wherever you're joining us around the world, if we could all just say these words together with one voice, okay? Nothing is too hard for God. Okay, let's try it again. Nothing is too hard for God. Okay, remember this. Life is hard. Hard things are happening in the world and in your life, but what? Nothing is too hard for God. Yeah, you would have joined me with heart if I'd given more clear direction, wouldn't you? <laughs> On that one, you know you would. Nothing is too hard for God. So let's hold on to that, please. That's what Easter's telling us. Nothing's too hard for God. Life is hard. Hard things happen. God is bigger. God is great. Nothing is too hard for God. Now what we're imagining, what we're wondering out loud in this series is what it might be like if you could get a dose of pure Jesus in your life. I don't know if it's possible in that sense, in, in one sense, but what we're asking is not the filtered Jesus, not filtered by denomination or by history or by religion, not a knockoff Jesus, you know, a wannabe Jesus. What if you could get a dose of the real, the pure New Testament Jesus in your life? What would that be like? If you're new to Christ's journey, can I thank you for coming again? Maybe your first time with us was Easter and thank you for coming again. This is your second time with us. Way to go. Thank you so much. Maybe today is your very first time with us. If you're new to Christ's journey, the purpose statement of our church is simply this. We exist to help people find and follow Christ. We want to help people get a dose of pure Jesus. But when that happens, what does it look like? That's the question we're asking. Really, what does it look like to get some of the pure Jesus. Now, there is a strong movement in our culture right now on all things pure. Have you noticed it? I mean, we want pure water. So there's an, even an ad that says, you know, untouched by human hands. Maybe this is you. You like your water right from the earth, you know? <laughs> pure, unfiltered water from the earth. There's a pure foodie movement. You know about this, right? You want your fruits and your vegetables to be unaffected, uninfected by insecticides or any other additive. You know, you like your eggs laid by free-range chickens. You like your cheese coming from happy cows, right? And, so, and you're willing to pay more money so that you can get closer to pure because you're a pure foodie kind of person. Okay, or maybe you've seen this in some movie where uh, some drug uh, overdose victim, this is fiction, you know, is flat out, you know, lying dormant, and then somebody shows up with a syringe and stabs him in the chest and gives him a shot of supposedly pure adrenaline, and bam, you know, it's like, okay, what if, what if you could take a shot of pure Jesus to the heart? What would that be? That's what we're asking. What would it look like? What would it, what would it be like? 
And we started the conversation last week by saying, well, Easter reminds us that it would, be, it would look like you being invited into a new story for your life that is informed by forgiveness and freedom. That's why we sang those songs today. That when you get a hold of the pure Jesus, he says, I will forgive every sin. He frees us from guilt and shame and the penalty of sin and starts freeing us from the practice and power of habits that want to take us down. So that's a part of what, how can you know you got hold of the real thing? Well, forgiveness starts flowing and freedom starts growing. And today we see what it, see that it also means being invited into a new power in your life, a new power for living, a power to win, and uh, to help us understand what that might look like from his own experience on and off the field, we have a very special guest with us today. Would you help me as we welcome head coach for the University of Miami Hurricanes, Coach Manny Diaz. Give it up. Turn over chain. Hear it up. Turn over chain. 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 You see big homie get the fumble. He get a turn over chain. See big homie get the pick up. He get a This is an exciting day for us. And not only because I hope you feel the love. Hope you feel the love. There seem to be a few Kane fans in the room. So you're welcome here. Um, but this is also Coach Manny's home church. And right. so I hope you feel the love from your Christ Journey family today. We love you and Stephanie. We're appreciative of your sons, Colin, Gavin, and, and Manny. And we are asking God's blessing upon you as you step out to open your life to us for a little bit. And as you know, there's so many questions that we would love to get answers to. You know, like, how's the team looking for the new year? That's right, yeah. And, <laughs> And then also, if you haven't seen the new facility, the practice facility is incredible. I mean, I was privileged to be in your office and look out. You got a balcony scene of the inside and the outside. And I mean, this is, that's pretty cool space. So you, I know you could tell us something about that. But what we really need to hear from you, Coach, is about the power to win. And I know that you are pursuing that on the field. And we're going to be listening to see how can that translate from your faith into our lives as we face some hard situations. So very thankful. I'm going to go find my seat okay. and get to listen for a right. while. Thank so you. Welcome. Thank you very much. And I'm very honored to be able to be here today. This is a, um, I've said it many times, it was the, the events on December 30th that ended with me being the head football coach at the University of Miami could only be described as a God story, as a God moment, the improbability of it. But I actually think it's probably more improbable that I'm actually sitting, standing here today speaking to this church. Um, I've got my father in attendance, I mean, right across the street from a, a field that I, you know, played a Little League baseball game in. Um, how did I get here? That's remarkable. How did I get here? And that's what I really want to share today. Actually, how I got here was three years ago. Uh, and the credit, like most things in my life, goes to my wife, Stephanie. When I had just moved back to Miami and I was looking for a church, and she had gone online. And, um, and, had, and had found Christ's journey online and said, this is a church you may want to check out. And I remember coming in and sitting in that section the first time here. And, and really, what I want to talk about today, what I want to talk to today, I really want to talk to that person. You know, a lot of times you sort of preach what you want to hear. And maybe that person is here today. That's someone who maybe was here for the first time last week for Easter. Or maybe their first time today. Or maybe new in, in their journey. I hope I have something that, that everybody takes away. But 
But certainly I remember myself walking to this church three years ago, and I'm so blessed now to be, to be standing here. This journey I've, I'm going to tell you about is really, it, it appeared to be two journeys. Um, but I've come to find out it's, it's one journey. The first journey I want to talk about is the religious journey, growing up here in Miami, okay? Uh, Cuban on my father's side, Irish on my mother's side. We we're going to be raised Catholic. Anybody raised Catholic in here by hand applause? Okay, there's in there, right? So what do we know about being raised Catholic, right? What do we do in church? We read the Bible? No, we read the bulletin, right? <laughs> and and we, we usually, we judge our churches. If we can get the service over in 45 minutes and be the first one to breakfast after church, then we've kind of, we've done the job. I, I hear some laughter, so I know I'm not the only one that's thinking that. And and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting here to, to pass judgment on, on any denomination or one church or another, but... But what you felt was, you felt obligation, and you felt ceremony. And from what I know now as a coach is that, you know, if, if you need someone to do something because of obligation, they'll do it, but they'll only do it so far. It's not enough. Obligation is not enough. So there was something, there was a, there was a hunger, right, that you, you're growing up and you just felt like there, there, it feels like there should be more than this, right? Like you just, like you, you just can't get a, a thirst quenched. Well, then... Graduated high school and went to school at Florida State in Tallahassee. Okay, there's some Seminoles in here. So everybody knows on a map, Florida State is where in relation to Miami? North, but in reality, when you move to Tallahassee, you're moving where? South, right? South. So I remember, uh, I remember the first time uh, my, my mom, we, we move up there, my stepdad, and we, we move in this house, and like, like the first week we moved there, all these neighbors come by, and they're all, like, bringing us cakes, and they bake breads and just stuff. And, and you know, as Miami natives, we reacted the only way we could. We took it all and threw it in the trash, right? Because <laughs> there's no way people just do nice things for you, like, out of, like, I mean, that's, so we assumed it was poisoned. You know, they're trying to poison the Miami people. So living in the South, that brought a... Um, an introduction to an, an, an entirely different style of religion, okay, and so much more upfront. And, and and these people, like, I don't know, like you'd go eat and they would like pray, like, and not like the recited prayer that we would always use. As, like they had like their own words and and they could tell you like Bible verses, and it was very very intimidating. I'm like, what is all what is all this? Very in your face and 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 very strict with rules. How to do this? How to do that? Blah blah blah. And look at us and a little bit of this like. Look, look how good we are. We have all of our rules, and we follow all our rules, and a little bit of the, the holier-than-thou thing. And, and again, and, and not trying to pass judgment, but from the outside, and, and just from growing up, and you're trying to make this journey. You're trying to figure out where this, you know, this God thing is going. And you're like, well, gosh, on one hand, you've got all this sort of obligation and ceremony, and then, and then on, on, on over here, you've got all these like, sets of rules, and, and, and then you would start to see you know, some cracks in the rules, and is, is that hypocrisy? You just didn't really know where you fit in while all this thing is happening. So you kind of are on this journey, right? So that's, that's one side of my life. Okay, on the other side of my life, the other part of the journey is the journey professionally, okay? What do you want to be when you grow up, okay? So from the time that I was playing Little League on the field right across the street, I knew I wanted to be involved in sports, okay? But I was smart enough to thy own self be true, I knew that I was not going to be able to play professionally, okay? Th thanks, Dad, okay, for the, the DNA, okay? So what's the next best thing? For me, what I figured the next best thing was to be working in some sort of journalism. Okay, I wanted to write about it. I want to talk about it, be on TV. But I wanted a job in sports, and I was working towards that, towards that end. 
I ended up working at ESPN out of college, and I'd been there for two years. Um, I was married with Stephanie, and it was great, except there was something missing. There, again, was a hunger, okay? And the hunger at that time was as close as you got to the teams that you got to cover and how fascinating that access was and the things that you knew and the people that you got to meet, you weren't on the team. You were still an outsider. You weren't on the team. You were closer, but you could still sense there was that team, that team bond, and you could never, never be a part of that circle. So, and again, the credit goes to Stephanie. We decided to make a leap. We decided to make a leap. We made a big jump, all right? And the jump we made is we went back to Florida State, knocked on the door, and tried to get into coaching. I had no idea how it worked, had no idea how coaching worked, had no idea that it would succeed, and to add to the degree of difficulty, we were pregnant with our first son, Colin. So we had no idea what we are doing. So if this is not a, a just put a trust in God type story, I don't know what is. Lo and behold, it worked out. And ended up, you know, sort of getting in. The staff kind of worked our way up through the mailroom type story. And so I'm, I'm, I've got some traction in coaching now. Got some traction in coaching, kind of getting up the ranks, doing little jobs well, kind of getting bigger jobs and moving on. So why did I want to coach football in particular? What I loved about football, I loved the strategy. I loved the X's and O's. I loved the fact football is the only sport that on every play we stop the game and rethink the game, right? Every other sport for the most part is free-flowing. In football, we stop and we reorganize and we re-strategize on every play. And I was really enamored by that. But the longer I got into it and the more I did it, the more my why changed because it wasn't about the X's and O's anymore. It started to be about the team and the dynamic of the team. And I started to recognize something. I end up, we, we end up going to Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Nobody clapped when I said that, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and this is my first defensive coordinator job, and I started... I started becoming aware of something that would happen. And what would happen is every now and then, 11 guys on the field would completely just play as one. And this sort of buzz would be created, this juice. And it would just all of a sudden, it, didn't see, it seemed like we had more than 11 on the field. When, and it just was a total vision and, of trust. And I didn't even understand it. I didn't know why it happened or how it happened. But I just started to realize that that's my juice. That's what I want. That now is what I do this sport for. Because to get to those moments when you get to see these guys surrender their individual goals, give themselves to the team, and this thing just happened, right? So as you kind of have that in your mind, I told you we're in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, still going to Catholic Church, okay? And we brought our, and and we're having some struggles at at the church. had a really hard time sort of understanding the priest at the time. And, the, and but the thing is, you know, as parents, it was the child care, right? Because you're sitting there, you're not getting anything out of it. You're just like arm wrestling your kid the whole time of your church, you know. Don't look at me like it's only me, okay. I know, you know what I'm talking about, okay. So we brought our football team. This goes back to Bobby Bowden at Florida State. We would always bring our football team to a church service at the beginning of the, of the, of the semester, okay. And there was a church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee called World Outreach Church. There is a church there. And the first time I walked into that place, we brought our team there, and I was completely intimidated. They had big TVs on the wall, big screens. Oh, God. (laughs) They played these instruments. They had, like, loud music. And when they were playing the music, like, people were, like, standing and enjoying it and clapping. And, gosh, they were even, like, singing at times. 
And, uh, and again, I go back to like, you know, the, the, the head down murmuring, you know, Catholic. I'm like, this is way, way too intense. I remember going home to telling Stephanie, like, they got this God roll place around the corner we went to for church today. And I, I, don't, I don't even know what's going on there. But at the same time, this thing was happening with, with the, the, our church in Murfreesboro. And suddenly what I found myself is I found myself being drawn. I found myself being drawn to that church. You know, and that's why I talked about just that very first time being into that first impression. Maybe it was a little intimidating at first. But there was something there because those people, they were getting something. The word I mentioned earlier was hunger, right? There was a hunger. And they were getting fed something that I didn't really understand what was out there. I didn't really understand what it was. So finally, there was like that one moment where like the people who were supposed to watch the kids at the other church, they didn't even show up that day. And we were like, that's it. We're going to go to this other church. Now, the other church, it had a humongous sanctuary, okay? And like, like we have the, the theater, the cafe, the cafe over there, you could actually watch church in the cafe, right? We were so intimidated that for the first month, we didn't go into, into the sanctuary. We actually went to church to watch church on TV because we still weren't really sure what was all going on in here. And like, it might have gotten out of hand. I don't know what was going to happen. So you just... Finally, I'm sitting there in this, at this round table. I'm like, I, I, I got to go, go into the church next Sunday. I've, I've got to get in there, and I've got to at least experience it in person. And we did. And we did at that moment. And so we finally sit there. And now, over the course of the few the weeks, and now all of a sudden you realize you're getting fed and how great that is. And what I started to realize is that my two journeys were the same journey. What I spoke about in terms of, you know, what the real juice was of what you wanted to create on the football field, and then what the message was at church was actually the same message. And as I sat there, I said, everything I'm trying to explain to my team, everything I want to get my players to do, I'm getting told that every week. And that was the moment for me. That was the moment for me. Now, I will say this. It was not a lightning bolt moment. Okay? It wasn't a lightning bolt moment. It was like all of a sudden, Kah-kah! Okay? What, what, what this was, the stories, it's a series of steps. It was a series of nudges. Okay, that sort of brought me to this point. And I think that's often our big mistake is we try to wait for the lightning bolt, right? And the same thing in coaching. You know, the, the Hollywood myth that like the coach can get there and give this great speech and all of a sudden the team's going to be really inspired and run out there and just, you know, beat up whoever they're going to play. That's really not the way that it works. Because if it was about a speech or it was about maybe one sermon or about one thing that you hear and that changed everything forever, it'd be too easy. And we know that's not really the way it is. It is a journey. So I want to share a couple passages that to me, that when I sat in church and I, and I listened to these things, I said, this is exactly what I want to turn around and speak to my football team about. So the first is probably my favorite, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and always submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now, you want to talk about the jump we made leaving ESPN and trying to get into coaching? That, w- that would be an example of that. But what I love doing with all these verses okay, is take where it says the Lord, this is now where the coach comes in, and put the word team, okay? Trust the team with all your heart and lean not on, a, on your own understanding. That's a really, really big concept in trying to build a team, okay? Not my understanding, the team's understanding. I've got to submit to something greater than me. Move on to, to Psalm 37, verses 4 and 6. Take, the, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the, the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And let me read it back. Take delight in the team. 
take delight in the team, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's one of the most mature concepts I can try to explain to myself, to the players, to everybody, is I know, coach, but I want glory. I want to be a great player. I want something. I want to have this. And you know what? I want it for you. Do you know how you get it? The Bible says it right here. Take delight in the Lord. Take delight in something bigger than yourself. If you have individual goals, the way to go about it is to put them last and to put yourself to align with something bigger than yourselves. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Be, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We're getting ready to take the field. We're getting ready to play. We're getting ready to do something in life. And you know what? There's going to always be a little bit of fear, always a little bit of trepida- trepidation, right? How do I, where does my strength and power come from? How do I defeat the fear? What well, says it right here. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God, for the team will be with you wherever you go. And remember going back about trying to be a part of the team. And then Mark 8, 34, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What's the, the common denominator, the theme that, that I keep hearing through all this is not little me, big God. Little me, big God, trying to put God first, trying to submit to God. And that to me is, is sort of the same thing we're always trying to preach. Submit to the team, submit to the team, be about the team, be about the team. And the crazy thing about it, whether you're talking about in, in sports or in life, Jesus literally gave us the playbook here. Jesus replies, this is uh, Matthew 22. Jesus replied, live the Lord, your, live the, love the Lord uh, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's it right there. But what, we could just come in here every week and just read that and just walk out. We just high five and we, yeah, we could certainly beat anybody to breakfast, right? Okay. That should be all we have to know. So why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Okay. And this is where the reality comes in. Number one, because we're human. We're human. And that gets back to that you know, thing I was saying before. We, we're not pretending to be perfect. Walking on this journey is not, a, is not a presum- a, um, an illusion of, of that we've got it all figured out, that we're perfect. We get fatigued. We get tired, just like we do in the game. We get tired in the game. We get tired in life. Things come up in life that distract us. Um, and, oh, by the way, there's another team out there. When we're playing in a game, there's another team. You're, you're sitting there watching the Hurricanes or watching your favorite team. You're like, what, what is going on? Well, you know, there, there's, there's some other guys out there, too, that are playing that are also trying to win. And that's the same thing that happens in our journey. There's another team out there that's trying to win, that's playing against us, okay? I want to talk about the rule of 110%. You've heard this before, you know, well, I'm going to give 110%, coach, you know, like 110%. There's no such thing as 110%. It's not, number one, it's not physically possible, right? You can't go over your, your max capacity. The reason why I think people say that is because we fool, when we actually give 100, it feels like 110%. And the reason why that is is because we normally operate around 80 to 85 and what I mean by that is this, and this is what's very important, not just in terms of my spiritual journey. And I'm, keep in mind, I'm talking to myself, and I hope you're getting something out of this. We always hold something back. There's going to be a remainder. And I think that's one of the things that we're not honest with ourselves at all times. When you're trying to get a team of, of, of 85 guys to unite for one purpose and be all about the team, no matter how close we get, no matter how hard we push, there's always going to be a remainder. Okay, the self is pretty crafty. The ego is pretty crafty, and I just don't want to give it all. God, I'll give you a little bit of this rope. I'll give you a lot of rope, but there's just got to be a little bit that, that I'm still hanging on to. 
and I've got that remainder in my life, and I don't know what that percentage is, and I'm sure that you have that remainder in your life, but you know what we do? We act like there's not a remainder. We act like we're 100% all the time, and that's how we trick each other. We don't talk about that remainder, okay? The only time we ever truly give 100% is when we're consumed by love, and even that comes in flurries, just like those moments in the game where I told you where the team elevates to a different level because they're playing with pure love. Pure love, pure unconditional love, pure Jesus is sacrificing for something greater than you. I think of John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's one's life for one's friends. That is the definition of Jesus, and that is the definition of pure love. And that is what we're trying to do. But here's our issue. We are human, and we have to acknowledge that we're human, and we have to allow others to see that we're human. That's why we need a team. That's why I wanted a team. That's why we need a church. That's why we need someone, you know, to, to, to help us through this journey. We have to acknowledge our remainder because it's real and it's there, okay? And we have to acknowledge it to others. And we have to believe that the power of Jesus waits not at some finish line, at the end of some religious obstacle course, that if you do all these things and all of a sudden Jesus is there to high-five you at the end, okay? But it's right where you are. And that's the relationship. And that's the thing going all the way full circle. That's what the hunger was for at the beginning. You were hungering for the relationship with Jesus. Now, I want to say this to you here. No matter where you are, no matter what you decide your remainder is today, number one, keep in mind, that remainder moves all the time. Okay? That moves all the time. All right? The greatest part is this. The myth is that Jesus is waiting at 100%. The reality is he's where you are. So maybe you made a choice a week ago or today, and maybe your remainder is 45%. That's okay because Jesus is there, and all he wants you to do is just walk towards him, is just walk towards him, okay? You know, when you made that first jump, maybe you went from 50% to 70% of all in. Wow, you really felt that, right? Well, maybe, you know what, when you get to 78%, you know, sometimes it's it's like physical conditioning. It's hard to see the incremental improvement the better you get. It's hard to know when you went from 81% to 82%. Those movements are a little harder to define. And maybe you don't feel the same love because, like, you know, when I first made this great decision, I got all this energy out of it, you know, and now I'm not feeling that same way. I'm not feeling the same way. You're starting to plateau. Your, in, your, in, your improvements are becoming more incremental. But they're still there. They're still there. So let me, let me say this in closing, okay? As a coach, who would want to play for a coach that simply just has a... Um, an endless set of rules that we always are going to come short um, and we're always going to feel badly about ourselves or a coach that simply wants us to do something out of obligation. How great does a coach sound that loves you, sees you in your weakness, and wants to make you better? See, to me, there are, there are no two journeys. There's only one journey. There's a Christ journey, and that's a journey that we're all on. There's no different in what I do in terms of coaching a football team, and there's no different in how I manage my walk in my own, in, in my own life. I want to believe in the power of improvement and I, when I'm coaching a football team, and I want to believe in a, of a, the power of improvement in my journey with Christ every day. I am so thankful to be a part of this team. I'm so thankful to be a part of this church. I'm th- so thankful for, for Pastor Bill and inviting me to come share a little story with you today. So, again, I appreciate everybody's attention today, and thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Give it up, team!
And I, I got to say, way to go, Dad. All the dads in the room, hang in there, you know, hang in there. Way to go. Awesome. What a beautiful tribute. You know, there's really only one question in, in my mind that needs to be asked right now. It's how do I get God's juice in my game? That's the question. Maybe that's the question God wants to answer for you. How do you get God's juice in your game? And Jesus gives us an answer in John chapter seven, verse 37. Because he knows our thirst, he knows our hunger, like Coach was talking about. This is what he says. That inner desire, that drive that you've got, he says, bring it to me. If anyone is thirsty, let him come. Come to me. Jesus is a life coach. Come to me. Dead, risen again, come to me. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry, come to me. Then what? Then drink it up, soak it up, take it in. You know, receive the experience. And then what? Well, then he said, because this is what, as the scripture has said, from your inmost being will flow streams, torrents, rivers of living water. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, John said. The way God desires to get his juice in your game is by coming alive by his spirit inside of you. And how does that happen? Well, in four words, Jesus says, thirst, come, drink, believe. Would you say those with me? Thirst, come, drink, believe. Let's say them all campuses one more time out loud. Thirst, come, drink, believe. Now, that's what Jesus said. You want to get God's juice in your game, then you have to bring your thirst. If you're thirsty, don't just sit there and say, I'm thirsty. Bring your thirst. Take your thirst as a signal that says, I got to come to the need meter, to the resource, to the fountain of living water. So I come to Jesus in light of my thirst. Thirst is okay. Hunger is okay. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, especially when you let it take you to the source. Thirst, come. So maybe today it's just taking a step closer to the source for you. Come all the way close to the source. And like the coach said, you're going to find out wherever you are in your remainder quotient, he's already there. So just bring what you got, and he'll meet you there. And then what? Then drink. How do you drink? Simple word, believe. It's a belief. It's a step of faith. You take the step of faith. Trust in the Lord with your heart. You don't lean into your, I don't understand it. Okay, it's okay if you don't understand it. You can still drink. I don't understand how electricity works, but I'm not going to sit in the dark till I do. I'm just going to hit the switch, you know? You can do the same thing by faith. You can just hit the switch. And every one of those, listen, Christ journeyers, every one of those is a present active verb. That means thirst and keep on thirsting. Come and keep on coming. Drink and keep on drinking. Not just a little swallow. Drink, 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 drink. Believe and keep on believing. And this is how we come alive into a new power. God has a new story that we're invited into. Now your new power comes as you take those incremental steps like the coach just told us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the insight your word gives us about our lives, about ourselves, how sometimes it feels like we're just looking in a mirror when we've, we've got your word open and our hearts are open and it's like 
oh my goodness, that's me. I'm thirsty. What can I do? Jesus says, come to me and drink. Have a drink. How do I do that? Well, right now, say, I believe, Lord. He said, well, I've said that before. He says, say it again. Believe and keep on believing. Believe and don't stop believing. Believe right now and then believe this afternoon. And when you get up to face a hard day's work, then believe again. Keep on believing. So would you lean into whatever it is that God has for you right now and allow him to show you that he is there? And for somebody, hey, listen, for somebody, it's you got to bring your remainder. Stop kidding yourself about that. The part of you that you've been holding back, this is your moment to say, Lord, I'm going to meet you with my remainder and believe. Believe.